Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, episode 55. I want to say thanks to everybody for your feedback on uh, the last episode about shame. Except the people who weren't shamed enough. <laughs> Josh. What was that? Did I miss, did I miss the meaning no, of the last episode? It's all right. I, I haven't introduced you yet. We're going to be all right. Oh, sorry. Uh, the movie Shame, not, not the concept Shame. Oh, okay. <laughs> the movie Shame. I'm sorry. Oh, fair enough. I should be ashamed of myself, but oddly I'm not. No, you shouldn't. That's the point. Oh. Unless you're a sex addict. That's what ah. I got out of that movie, right, Josh? <laughs> I didn't get anything out of that movie. So my co-host Josh Long is here. Josh, how you doing? Hi, I'm doing good. All That's right. the loudest I've ever been. I'm sorry. I know. It kind of spiked a little easy bit there. there. Um, you're inspired by our guest today. Well, I guess so. Uh, and listeners have already heard him. Uh, we have with us uh, actor, comedian, or would you prefer comedian, Rack actor? Raconteur, soldier of fortune. Oh, yeah. I like that last <laughs> All one. All kinds of uh, uh, kung fortune. fu master oh, in man. many disciplines that I haven't even thought up yet, but I know I have them in there somewhere. You'll find them, you know. You're a blossoming flower. Yes, I am a. L- <laughs> I'm a blossoming flower. There are many petals within me that have not even come into the sunshine yet. I'm Tom. I'm Tom Wilson, everybody, and this isn't as loud as I've ever spoken. It's, oh, I, I don't doubt that. I've spoken see. far more loudly than this. But that's the thing. The beauty of Sound Studio, we're going to be just as loud as you. Exactly. So, you Not know. now. La, 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 oh, la, la. Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, yeah, this is uh, very exciting for us. Uh, we've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and schedules have uh, been so-so because you're a, a busy guy uh, with real jobs. You know, uh, I try to make them real jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had those imaginary jobs for a while. Turns out, <laughs> the imaginary checks, you can't do anything with those things. You can frame them. You go to a bank with just your fingers out as if it's a check. Like, I'd like to cash this. And uh, nope, doesn't work. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for being here. Oh, but back to your question. Yeah, I don't care what you call me. Okay. I mean, actor, comedian, writer, uh, uh, whatever, anything. Okay. Well, let's find out how you got there. Let's take a dip in Lake Tom. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Do we need to take a break yet? Okay, good. <laughs> no, I think good. we'll be all right. All right, good, good. Uh, good. I mean, I might need to take a break. Uh-huh. I'm a little exhausted. I th- but, as well uh, you should be. So um, I was up very late last night cleaning my apartment, failing to rec- uh, remember that uh, uh, I never asked you about a cat. Uh, really? If you are allergic to cats. Yeah, and I am deathly allergic to cats. And I was up very, very late last night trying to figure out, like, who you are and what this podcast is. Oh. Uh, but, you know. Did you come to any yeah. conclusions? No, that's what I don't. I'm, to I'm, I come a little scared. Okay. I'm not sure if guys are going to come out of the closet here and uh, take me to a van. Oh, yeah. I mean... <clears throat> That's how you got here. Oh, yeah. But, uh, okay, so let's go back. It's yes. going to be like a, an interview wow, sort really? of thing okay. to a certain extent. And then we'll start talking about larger topics. Um, so first off, I uh, wanted to find out a little bit about uh, your, not necessarily your childhood, but like your upbringing specifically as far as like your faith and also um, general attitude toward uh, the arts and that sort of thing. My uh, of your family and, and all that. Uh, I've always been brought up in in the uh, the Christian faith, uh, specifically a Catholic Christian. Don't email yet, people. <laughs> Get up off the floor. Stop screaming, lady. Stop screaming. Calm down. You're on a freeway now. Um, it sounds to me as though there's some history there. We'll get to that, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I was raised um, in the faith. My, my, both my mom and dad were very devout people. And they were both uh, also uh, dedicated to uh, 
to the arts, to, mm-hmm. to a house filled with an appreciation for music and for theater and for painting and for, uh, and for movies and mm-hmm. for all sorts of things. So, uh, so I grew up in a very interesting pastiche, mm-hmm. shall we say, of, uh, of both the arts and the faith, since my mom and dad were very... Um, they were, uh, I mean, with it, of course, uh, many, uh, many, many Pentecostal-like churches and many, many very, um, very, uh, what am I trying to say? Well, different kinds of churches within, mm-hmm. within Protestant circles are like that. But within the Catholic faith in the 60s, as everything was exploding culturally, mm-hmm. uh, the Catholic faith um, was also embracing the, the charismatic renewal. And so my mom and dad, uh, uh, I guess to, to make it brief, you know, when I was a kid, I was just you know, in the back of a car going to every kind of, uh, of the, the, all the various religious experiences that one could have in the late 60s from every church and every sort of musical concert. Hmm. You know, we would go to some, uh, some uh, uh, you know, a, 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 an orchestra playing the Mozart's Requiem all the way to going up to North Philadelphia to see Andre Crouch and the Disciples play a complete, you know, gospel uh gospel concert with you know just people shaking and falling on the ground and all that stuff so 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 my upbringing as i said was um was to me a fascinating uh wonderful combination of those things both the arts and the varieties of uh, religious experience. Yeah, it sounds uh, you were specifically Catholic, but you were exposed to pretty much everything. Everything which is pretty pretty rare for Catholics and Protestants. Really, not in the late sixties, hmm. which is you know there are many things in my opinion which, of course, were ultimately unhealthy and very uh, selfish or narcissistic about the late sixties, but. There was a but a part of that Jesus movement of which uh, you know I was an, a very very active part mm-hmm. was a very ecumenical spirit mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. everyone was in this together because there was something uh, fresh and beautiful and celebratory and spirit filled happening and uh, it seemed like the walls were coming down mm-hmm. and that was good. And like every society, I mean, you know, Catholics as well, as every, every uh, microculture within a larger culture will do. You know, as soon as somebody can get some boards and some nails, we'll rebuild the walls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, as, soon, as soon as we can. But for a while there, um, it, it was really, um, it was really a, a fascinating time. You know? I'm reminded of that wonderful uh, Emo Phillips bit about... Uh, about uh, religion and and oh you you're christian i'm christian too what kind of a christian are you oh you're baptist i'm baptist are you southern baptist hey i'm southern baptist are you southern baptist reformed you are die Harry. exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly so you can't win with anything and may i in, in the beginning of your podcast can i just you know do my disclaimer about talking about things religious sure. look bottom line yes i'm a follower of jesus and my life is supposed to be about love and forgiveness and uh, building the kingdom of God as well as I can mm-hmm. here on, on the earth, uh, in my sphere of influence, as it is in heaven. You know, in my opinion, you know, talk is cheap, mm-hmm. you know. So everything I say, please, everybody take with a grain of salt, because I'm just <laughs> like every, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, I flap my gums, but I would probably listen back to this and go, you idiot <laughs> what are you talking about you know but but Such i was the nature a, of podcasting i think it is i think yeah. it probably is but you know look, you you can figure me out very quickly because i'm sure a lot of your listeners are the same thing mm-hmm. i was an excited vibrant artistic teenager hmm. you know going to youth group and Bible study and everything back then. You know, you had a denim cover of your Bible, but you would try to rub it a lot so it looked like it was sort of wearing out. So people would think, wow, he's really in the Word. You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, but I did the whole thing, everybody. I had the embroidered guitar strap, and uh, I had bell bottoms, and I was going around playing the guitar everywhere and going to Phil Keege concerts and... <laughs> You know, just all that kind of thing. Hmm. And it's, then, 
I was just going to say it's interesting to see it because both of us came from Christian backgrounds as well. It grew up Christian, so it's interesting to see like how uh, the the same sort of maybe nerdy type Christian things that we did then like were still around. In, of course, in the 60s. like it's kind of been around. But forever, when you're a, a teenager bit. in those when you are a, a teenage teenager full of energy, going to church, meeting with other kids. You know, there's. It's just a really very uh, energized, beautiful thing going on. Mm. And as anyone then who's lived an adult life as a Christian goes, that's great stuff when you're a teenager because you're going to need every bit of that gas you're getting. Mm. You know, fill up the gas tank, kids, because you're going to take a drive that's not going to just park at that church Mm -hmm. and be just great forever, you know? You're going to go on a journey now, and you're going to need all that stuff. So, hey, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a lot easier when you're sort of insulated in that way. I know it was for me. Like, I had the Christian shell around me a lot with the family and school and all that stuff. And so, like you're saying, to it can help to prepare you for whatever's outside, I guess. Of course. And, I mean, it's a balance. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows what the perfect balance is? But really, come on. I mean, you're hopefully teenagers today are being raised up. In order to go into a culture yeah. that is that is often incredibly poisonous mm. and hateful to them. Hey, that's in the membership brochure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one of the pictures. As you open, well, this Christianity thing, let me open this. Oh, people will hate you. <laughs> and all this stuff. Oh, okay. I'll join that. Check out episode 11 about the movie Hellboy for a reference. Now, um, Wow. This, this, he, uh, he always does just promos in that? Uh, wow. Self-promotion. Wow. Shameless. Yeah. That's again nature <laughs> of podcasting, um, but uh, and it's interesting that you that you mentioned that because the I, the willingness to go out into culture, because I consider myself very blessed with the churches that I went to and the people that I knew and the parents that I had, because when I talked to some other people that were raised uh, in, you know, denomination doesn't even really matter, but like raised in in certain churches and in certain environments, the culture, as you said, I mean, it can be kind of damaging and a little cruel at times but that's that's almost just because they of what they need uh more than uh, what they uh what they desire to do to you specifically um and so there's been there's a lot of i i know a lot of people who are raised up to basically be afraid of it and never engage with it ever i think hmm. that's probably one of the most important things that people of faith should be thinking about uh, maybe maybe in their lives i don't know because that seems to be to me you know again my disclaimer okay i know nothing but come on i'll put it in people, the posts I'll people say, are now saying no it's getting worse gladys keep carving the cave we are going to go in there children collect your cheese we will need it for the whatever you know look we are supposed to be light and salt in the world right mm-hmm. and 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 it's it's going to be ugly times but really you know i think people need to really get mature you know mature as adults and mm-hmm. mature as christians and stop being scandalized by everything that's you a know? good way of phrasing because it because yeah. we are so easily scandalized we are like mrs kravitz in bewitched (laughs) every single thing that happens oh i've never seen anything like this the world is ending he told you it would be like that (laughs) calm down we're supposed to be adults here you know Mm -hmm. but they're but the girls they're hardly wearing any clothes well you're supposed to be an adult and be able to stare them in the face and love them because mm-hmm. that's what you're called to do, mm-hmm. not to judge them or gossip about them, even if they're on television. <laughs> you know? Right? Uh, very much so. And the, the idea of like gossiping and, and, uh, and judging people when you have like a nice safe distance from them, uh, that's something that became, whether you're Christian or not, frankly, like that's something that became very clear to me when I first moved out here. And a friend of mine had told me that that's, that, that it's how, this is how it was, that a lot of the people that you felt when I lived in Chicago, you, I felt very safe saying like, oh, they're not a good actor. They're not a good actress. They're not a good filmmaker. I come out here and suddenly I know actors. I know directors. And it's like, Oh, they're just trying to get by, and maybe they don't always make the best decisions, but you know, if my life was on TV, 
there'd probably be plenty of people saying like, oh man, look at that guy. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, trying to put yourself in, in their, in their shoes. And even if they're making choices that, that I don't understand, I'm sure I've made plenty of bad choices that other people don't understand, but thankfully I'm not under that microscope. Uh, I think no one understands what say these young girls go through Mm -hmm. the pressures that they're under the lives that they've had the parents who have raised them the culture that they've been just thrown into the middle of Mm -hmm. dressed by another person photographed by another person told what to think and how to act by another person Mm -hmm. you know and and then we bring, bring them out into the culture and then we and i mean a lot of the christian world crucifies them mm-hmm. an 18 year old girl we just start pick up the rocks let's start throwing them and they have no understanding of that and hey we're supposed to even love and forgive the people who are adults who are killing us mm-hmm. so how about an 18 year old girl who is lost that we have sympathy for and love and pray for and not pray, ju- not pray simply, th- oh, we just want her to turn, Lord, from that thing. I right. mean, love her. Yeah. I mean, the people around her to reach out for her and be there. Not love her so that she might become e- more like us. Exactly. Right. But just love her, and then that's the end exactly. of the Exactly. Not love her with a nice, modest gingham dress behind us <laughs> so that the first thing we do is, here, honey, put this on, you know, because you'll just look better. No. Just just love her. And you know, it's interesting uh, to kind of bring this, uh, sort of tie this all together. There's an episode of, of all shows, South Park, that deals with this exactly, in which uh, I believe, yes, uh, Britney Spears is, in, is featured in the show. And at first you think it's going to be an episode that just makes fun of Britney Spears. But it winds up being more of an indictment of... The, of society's treatment of Britney Spears and and just how sort of out for blood we tend to be and what what's interesting is like it's it's a very funny episode but it's also an incredibly thoughtful indictment of that attitude but a lot of a lot of people in general but also I think a lot of Christians would never watch that episode they would never watch South Park there's a number of you know to to talk, to bring it kind of to what you know the the show is about is that like it's like, oh, that that's rated M for mature or mature audiences or whatever. Uh, I can't see that. I can't engage with that. When, in fact, that might be the best representation of something that we agree with that we'll ever see, but we just won't see it. Um, and that's something, I don't know, I feel like that's something that Christians should try to embrace more is this idea of like art speaking truth. And if it is, in fact, true, then it's from God. Uh, I think you can. I think you can witness a lot of things if you have, um, if you have decided to not be scandalized mm-hmm. and to be mature about it. Mm-hmm. You could stare into the face of hell itself, and and be mature about it, and know what you're looking at, and and have a, a sophisticated discernment about what you're watching and what is going on, and not just. Everything I can't watch it. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do the other. It is not. Look, I don't mean. Boy, believe me. Now I'm getting on. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal here. But I was doing a thing with a lot of, a lot of uh, like young adults, young guys in their early twenties and everything. And uh, and I got a, you know, it was almost embarrassing. But they're like, how do you do it? How do you stay in Hollywood with Mm. the temptations? Yeah. With the drugs, I mean, it's just it's a temptation. And the women everywhere with the temptation. And they're wearing the things with the temptation. And the money with the temptation. And I say, guys, listen, I'm a Christian man. I'm not a Christian boy. Okay? If you want to be a Christian man, then you can look at all of those things, but you're seeing them within the proper perspective of a worldview of a broken mess that we're all in the middle of and that we all help to create. Yeah. And, you know, and yes, it's time to be men and women and not boys and girls. Just going, I don't understand. I'm being swept away by the by the power of the tsunami of money. And just just be would you just, you know, take five, dear. (laughs) I uh, back in uh, April, I went back 
to my uh, church in uh, Nixon, Missouri, and I was uh, I gave a little talk there. And one of the things that I because it's something that I've become very conscious of since living in Chicago and then Los Angeles, um, that uh, the idea of God in the city specifically. And I said that, you know, a lot of Christians that live in, you know, maybe small towns and maybe even some in, in big cities, they, they tend to look at the city and like Los Angeles and Hollywood and they just see it as some sort of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I said, and I said like, you know, maybe the better way to look at it is Nineveh. And we're all Jonah who just have, we have no interest in going there Mm -hmm. and we will do anything we can to avoid it. We do it with a healthy, maybe an unhealthy dose of judgment uh, for the city. Uh, But in fact, that's absolutely what needs to happen. And it's because God loves those people just as much as he loves you. And he has a heart for them just as much as anybody else, maybe even more so because of like a, a, a certain situation. And if we, like you said, like the idea of like growing up and it's something that Admittedly, when I was younger, I feel like I was much more willing to look at a, pl- a whole place and say, like, ah, no good can come out of there. But as I've gotten older and, and met more people, I realize, like, oh, no, there's God loves everybody and mm-hmm. not just the people that I happen to love by crazy coincidence. Right. And a, and a lot of and I'm not saying it's good to watch all of it. Right. No, it is unhealthy to watch a lot of it. But it can. But that very thing, in my opinion, often can be seen as some kind of, you know, a broken calling out for wholeness. That 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 the venom that we're talking about, the, the hatred spewing, mm-hmm. the the damage, the ugly, the ugly art, the ugly music, specifically in the interest of being ugly mm-hmm. and hateful that you can't tell me that there's something in there that's calling out for healing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's uh, in some of the emails that, that uh, you and I had back and forth, um, and I feel like this is a good way to transition into this, you talked about some of, uh, some of the Christian attitudes that you've encountered in response to, like, some of the choices that you've made artistically. Well, a lot – well – Yes, we did talk about that. Uh, oh, I'm we, sorry. We don't have to talk <laughs> no, 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 about we, that. No, I, no. Look, hey, facts are facts. You know, I, if I come on your show like this, then I'm just going to be honest, right? Mm. I've been in Hollywood for over 30 years. Uh, I have had um, wonderful and deep uh, discussions and opportunities with people of any kind of lifestyle or belief system you can imagine and the ones who usually um either have a problem with me or criticize me or send me email flame or whatever are the christians (laughs) which is why i'm not particularly public about things yeah because i know even doing this show I'll probably get a lot of emails from people that have a problem with me, and I almost guarantee all of them will be Christians of one stripe or one denomination or another, yeah. that I said this wrong thing, and they'll correct me with this verse. And I, and I used to, years ago, you send back another verse, or you, send, you, you start with, the, there's no winning that. Yeah. There's no winning that. So, so, you know, so most of the criticism at most of the bricks through my window uh, come from Christians. Mm-hmm. And... Many other people have been um, even respectful of what I believe or how I live or who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a problem. Well, rest assured, my listenership is not very high, so you'll probably be okay. (laughs) All three people. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's easily three times that. Um, But you know what? uh, Do you find that? uh, Yeah. Mm. Um, I've I've gotten a fair amount of criticism from uh, uh, a certain subculture of uh internet atheist but um but, but those guys but they're yeah but hey god bless you internet atheists <laughs> i love it the not new i love them. the new yeah i don't know i'm not i'm not belittling but you know it's it's a pop cultural phenomena mm. it's it's selling books right now it's mm. a it's a flavor of the month mm. it's now they're getting together now groups large groups of people to celebrate what we don't believe in yeah so you know, 
good for them. That's fine. The only thing I argue is this this whole this new complete lie, which is you know which is that Christianity is not based on any intellectual tradition, mm-hmm. which is just that is that in itself is stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is an argument to be made in on a planet like this that nothing comes to anything and we all become warm sweat. But to ignore uh, from the Greek philosophers unto the beginning to the to, to the gospel writers to Origen and Irenaeus and Thomas Aquinas and and Augustine all you know all the way through century after century to 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 modern American novelists to mm-hmm. Walker Percy to to any kind of you know composers painters and everything and say oh, it's not, not based on any intellectual thought they're a bunch of bit morons <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. I mean you're There's you're a clown. If you're saying that, it's just not, you know, it's it, there's no basis in any reality to that. But hey, they've got their tats and their nose rings, and they're having their frappuccino, and they're happy with that. Go for it, kids. Go for it. Do your thing. Uh, not to stereotype you, of course. Not at all. Not at all. You guys with the army jackets and the things, and you know the Chinese character tattoos, where you don't really understand what it meant, but the guy said it means good luck. Um. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, That'll get me lots of emails. That's good. That, might, that one might get you some Man. emails. Um, if I only read emails, that'd be interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I've run across the uh, the Christian attitude, not so much in response to uh, this show. Most people have been pretty encouraging for the most part, uh, but just attitudes in life. Like I said, for the most part, I've been very blessed with the churches that I've gone to because I was part of the uh, Nazarene denomination, which I only found out later from other people. They're like, wow, you know, that's that's a really conservative church. They really don't like movies. I was like, really? Everyone in my churches were fine with it, with what I was doing. Um, but from time to time, I did run across people. Uh, I think I've told the story before um, on the show that uh, I was going to a church in Chicago. People meant very well, but uh, they did not like the idea that I was going. Some people did not like the idea that I was going to film school. They did not like the idea that I was originally from and eventually going to California. Yeah. And uh, well, I have a message for those people. If you're listening, grow up. You know, I don't think they've uh, managed to figure out iTunes. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Probably not. That's from the devil. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes, that's where... Uh, never mind. Um, yeah, let's not even do that. Because yeah. I, I could characterize them like the young atheists, but I won't. There you go. Um, Love their sweaters, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm more of a sweater vest guy. That's not true. Yeah. But um, one, of my, one of my questions for you, because you know, we did talk about uh, you know, uh, a certain strain of atheism. I mean, you came up and you remain in the world of stand-up comedy. Sure. And through my other podcast, Battleship Pretension, I've gotten to know a lot of stand-up comedians. And, and I listen to comedy podcasts and, sure. and that sort of thing. And oh, Battleship Pretension, the one that you didn't invite me to be on. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that one. All right. It's an open invitation. Welcome. I just didn't sure. want... whatever. Okay, I'm sorry, sir. No, what um, uh, what have you found in your your talks with comedians? Uh, well, in, it has been somewhat uh, aggressive, and it's been sort of uh, the attitude that you are talking about. Just it's like it's like oh well, you that's just something you believe, you know, no reason for it, and it's it is frustrating at times. But that at the same time, I don't know them socially, and I'm not I'm not a comedian myself. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if perhaps if they knew me as a person, they wouldn't be so quick to dismiss the things that I believe, which is why I was curious to know what your experience has been being a part, a respected part of the stand-up comedy community in Los Angeles. Have you run across that at all, or are they a bit more respectful? Yeah, they're pretty respectful. Well, here's the thing with me, bottom line, anyway. I mean, I'm an unusual Christian, I guess, because I don't care what anybody thinks about anything (laughs) you know i really don't Mm -hmm. so they can do whatever they want to do it's america you want to get one of these volume sticks go on stage and you know and shout in front of a brick wall go for it man but don't i mean it doesn't affect me at all Mm -hmm. you know i don't care what you think really so, so you're looking very intently at me just then. So, but I just do what I do. 
you know mm-hmm. i am who i am raised the way i was raised in the culture in which i was raised mm-hmm. and it makes perfect sense to me it makes sense in a spiritual sense and it makes complete sense in an intellectual sense mm-hmm. uh but uh so yeah so a lot of those guys don't believe it because you know comics are a lot of not not you know uh i don't know most but look a lot of these guys are fear-based and fashionable Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the last guy who doesn't scream some atheist tripe from a stage mm. if the other guys are doing it. No. You, you sort of have to, don't you? Well, you don't, but they feel that you do. And, you know, returning back to our uh, Carlin roots, let's Because let's do it that. makes you edgy, as I've asked often recently. Mm-hmm. If everyone is standing on it, can it be described as an edge? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're edgy. Oh, I get it. You F-bomb it a lot, and you're an atheist. Edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. In the Los Angeles comedy scene. Wow, that's really groundbreaking, man. Man, UCB, they must really. Born to be wild. (laughs) You know. So, um, so I've always said, uh, look, I'm the edgiest comedian in Los Angeles. <laughs> I could see that. I've always been the edgiest comedian <laughs> in Los Angeles. And I'm not even kidding. I do actually want to go back uh, a little bit. And uh, this, I, I've given up on the idea of this being a straight-up interview. And I'm, I'm actually okay with that. Are I, you? I very much am. I, uh, I much prefer this sort of thing than just being like, Man, hey, you're in this movie. What did you think of that? <laughs> Tell us about, about your About 12 minutes after I'm talking into a microphone with you guys like this, just my brain is screaming, just shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. Oh, my gosh. What are you? So oh, You'll be all right. Um, I'll get the emails. So um, <laughs> I will, too. But again, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and I internalize. So if you want to hurt someone, email me. You will. Um, so, uh, but your, your career has been very fascinating because, uh, and I was listening to, uh, never not funny, uh, your episode of never not funny. And mm-hmm. I did not know, I knew that you came up with a lot of, uh, notable comedians yeah. in the eighties, but what I did not know is that, uh, I believe you were roommates with two, two comedians that are essentially eighties. And I won't even say for good or ill. They just very much are. And that's. Yakov Smirnov and Andrew Dice Clay. That, yes. that was fascinating to me too. I, I, I heard that listening to the same podcast. Yeah, recently. we were roommates. I can't imagine that that room of people. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. Uh, we we lived. The uh, owner of the comedy store, Mitzi Shore, also owns a, a house. Came along with the comedy store, which is up the hill mm-hmm. from the comedy store. That uh, used to be a nightclub called Ciro's. That was. Uh, you know, gangsters ran the place and everything. It was a big place in Hollywood in the 30s and 40s. And the house above it, which Ciro's owned, was kind of a lookout point for if cops were coming down Sunset really? Boulevard and everything. So, so like a speakeasy or something? Yeah, kind of that kind of thing. So, so I lived in that house with uh, Andrew Clay and Yakov Smirnoff, yeah. Man, oh man, I taught them both a lot about America. <laughs> I could see that. I, what a country. That's all I have what to say. What a country. <laughs> That's right. I would repeat some. I, I can't repeat any of uh, Andrew Dice Clay's bits on the show, <laughs> so I'll just repeat Yakov Smirnov. I actually saw him uh, when I lived in Nixa the first summer. Uh, we, my family, moved there at the beginning of summer. My uh, at at the end of my sophomore year of high school, and so I didn't have any friends, and so I was just like, you know what. Let's go to Branson. And so I went and So saw, you went to the What a Country Theater I in did. Branson, Missouri to and see I remember, uh I remember enjoying it. There's a couple moments where I was like, oh, he's dancing with the Statue of Liberty. Okay. But he did have a wonderful uh, little exchange. He does a, a Q&A with uh, the audience afterwards. And there was a guy... I have to assume he's gotten this question a lot, being located where he is. Mm-hmm. A guy stood up and he's like, yeah, I got a question for you. Are you Republican or Democrat? And it's just like, oh, okay. I think I know which one you favor, sir. Um, but he said, he goes, well, that's the great thing about this country is I don't have to tell you. And I remember, and, and the guy's like, hmm, he gave, he gave this look of approval. And it's like, that's the best non-answer I've ever heard. Right. And, uh, right. and I had a great deal of respect for him after yeah. that. But, uh, that's what I say about things. I mean, it's a secret ballot. There you go. It still is. So I don't care. I mean, I just, I vote. As my comic friend Jake Johansson said, I vote the heck out of that thing. But I don't think my booth is connected to anything. <laughs> Um, 
And so, uh, and I would like to talk about some of uh, some of your projects. I'm somewhat reluctant to talk about uh, to talk about Back to the Future simply because I have to assume you've you've already. I feel like you've already mentioned it a, a time or two in your life. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. I think if people want my take on it, they can look up the question song. Oh yeah, uh, or Biff's question song, something. It's been hacked so many times. It's like in fifty different sites and. Mm. and translated into languages but they could look that up on youtube i will probably um, post it on the more than one lesson site, as well right. you should yeah but um but that's kind of my take on it uh there's just it's not the thing where you're the angry guy who just resents the thing and i don't want to talk about that i've done so many millions of things it's just like i really literally don't know what else there is to say about a you know time travel movie yeah. With Michael J. Fox in it. I mean, there's only so much yeah. you could say. And the car ran, and then we ran around, and we had lunch. And then, um, you know, it's pretend, so I wasn't really mean. Yeah. They would go like, cut, and then you're like, oh, that was funny. Let's go to lunch. The thing that fascinates me is that when I, when I see, listen to the question song, or I think I saw somewhere they had somebody had posted the card that you hand out to yeah, yeah. a lot of the answers. What fascinated me were some of the things that I, I can't believe that people ask, like, did the hoverboards work? Or yes, they, like they that. ask like, that. They I, ask I, many, many things. I can't believe some of the things that people Yeah, people will, uh, people will keep asking questions for a long as long as you will stay in the parking lot of a nightclub at two o'clock in the morning and you're standing there they will ask questions but i know what they are so finally i had to write a song about it and just deal with it in that way Mm -hmm. you know i try uh as i said i try not to be rude about it i like meeting people i like making eye contact i like shaking hands i like uh having human interactions Mm -hmm. you know it's but but I yeah I, you don't like being sort of pop objectified and just yeah. like sign my stuff yeah and then go with some dude not making eye contact mm. yeah yeah well it's weird because I I thought about that when I was first out here uh, in Los Angeles I think I, I went to like a taping of a TV show or something like that and it was one of the first times I'd seen like a person that I knew from somewhere else like a, a famous person I think it was two and a half men or something like that so that's like there's Charlie Sheen and it Wasn't was that exciting uh, it's, wow but it's such a weird experience because I think you expect it to be something else at first and then you're like it's it's just a person doing his job like mm-hmm. and and so I think especially when you live in LA for a little while it becomes more normalized and so I've wondered about that like why is it that people have to like have to get that thing signed like what is it that makes people feel like they they have to well have it's that? A, it's it's become an understood cultural interchange mm-hmm. like you're not really to me you are not a human being you yeah. are an objectified machine of pop <laughs> and what you give out are whatever autographs on things or things so in my own infinitesimally tiny way uh i'm not trying to do it rudely but i'm sort of jamming the culture by just trying to say i'm just a human being and i would like to meet you and interact with you as a human and being. and just say hello yeah do it's you almost- like cheese you know whatever <laughs> anything but that thing that makes oh oh it's you know it's greg brady whatever it's got barry williams danny bonaducci this guy that guy and you're just in this thing where you have to behave in a certain way and it's interesting to me the the idea that like because i feel like it's to a certain extent it's proof like oh look proof right i've got it right here yeah yeah. whereas if you just say like i had a 15 minute conversation with tom wilson who he he played biff in uh, back to the future it was a really nice conversation do do they think the people are going to be like liar (laughs) show me the proof what what i've been doing for a long time and a lot of people uh flame me on message boards for it um but i actually mean it Mm -hmm. but you know it's a joke it's meant a little tongue-in-cheek but i actually mean it people ask me people will come with a delorean with a back to the future poster with whatever to sign and i point out to them that this is a material object (laughs) Uh, it is a material object it is a piece of paper and that is a sharpie both of these things are not eternal but do you know what lasts forever and they're just blank staring at me (laughs) and i say love lasts forever and i give them a hug there you go i give them a bit too long a hug a lingering (laughs) hug in order to make them a bit uncomfortable all right uh but you know it's just like let's just talk let's just make eye contact yeah 
not just I am a person who can, uh, you know, raise the value of your movie poster by point oh 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 seven cents. <laughs> it, it it it's such an interesting thing because uh, I've I've met several people uh, through Battleship Pretension that uh, that I'm a big fan of, um, but I have to remind I have to. I have to like list off oh they were in this and this and this and it's usually like the fourth or fifth thing that I say and people are like oh okay I saw that um, you know when talking about you to my mom of course the first place I went is the place I knew she would know and being part of a franchise like that that is so big and just took on a life of its own in a way that I have to assume nobody nobody guessed it would be that big it just seems it's an exciting thing, but I, I have to assume the there's so much not pressure but temptation to just become bitter about it. You know, you hear about uh, you know cast yeah. members from a show from years ago that just like, Ugh, I'm tired of that. You know, stop talking to me about it. Honestly, here's the thing, and it sounds weird, but I don't pay that much attention to it. Okay, honest to goodness, uh, and it's not. It's literally not a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. It's just that you know uh, you're a person. So over a span of time, something will seem like it was good, it can seem like it was bad, it can seem like it was neutral, then it could go into a period where it seemed like it was bad. That, you know, so, so finally, with a thing like that, which was whatever, 27 years ago, the first one, mm-hmm. you finally just go, look, I, I, I know a lot of people, a lot of actors, and a lot of them, in my opinion, my humble opinion haven't been able to deal with that kind of a thing in a healthy way mm-hmm. where they end up feeling okay about it. Mm-hmm. So instead of wrestling this bull for the rest of my life, how do I feel about it? Yeah. Did it affect my life? And did it affect the way that people look at me mm-hmm. in church? They stare at me with it, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, like I said, I'm kind of a, you know, um, plain spoken guy you know so i decided i really i don't care mm-hmm. like what it is i, I it, it affects everyone around me more than it affects me yeah you know uh yes i believe me i understand the movies have a very intense gravitational pull mm-hmm. i understand a lot about the whole thing because being a thinking guy oh i've thought and overthought and triple and quadruple overthought the whole thing mm-hmm. but finally you go dude it's a movie i don't really care i'm doing the stuff that i'm interested in no. it has nothing to do with that you know i realize if i uh you know whatever if i cured a, an incredible disease the news report would say that guy who played Biff in Back to the yeah. Future had something to do with something medical. <laughs> you know, uh, so yeah. so you can't. I don't. I just don't pay very much attention to it. You know, and it's also and it's interesting because you're. I mean, you've had like a very long career, and I was looking over your uh, filmography uh, last night in preparation. And what's pretty impressive, am I right? Though? Well, what's interesting oh. is, as far as I can tell, you've been, for like, in the last 20 years, you've been in every TV show ever made. Uh, <laughs> pretty much. In some capacity. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And, yeah. uh, and well, just like a work, look, I'm an actor. I'm a working mm-hmm. actor. I always have been. And that's my thing. That's what I do for a yeah. living. I act on things, on movies and TV shows, and I perform live, and I do all kinds of things like that. I'm a performing artist, a visual artist, and uh, I just keep doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And people, I don't know, everything, you know, it's uh, now it seems show business is just, just like a giant Olympic event. Mm-hmm. And after every day, <laughs> everyone around you has to decide whether you're on the medal stand or you're that, that uh, ski jump guy that spun out and went into the crowd. You know, <laughs> but um, I, don't, I just don't pay any attention to it. I just do the jobs and move on. And, uh, and some of them are uh, surprising in how you enjoyed them. Some of them end up to be great. And some of them... After you do something, you know, you do a movie as a, back to being a, a Christian performer. You do a movie where you read the script and everything, you act in the thing, and then they change the whole movie, and it ends up to be some wildly uh, different 
darker thing than you thought and then you're getting emails from yeah. from all over the place how could you possibly i lifted you you know i showed my son that you look man you just don't yeah. understand what's going on here yeah and uh it's it's a much older episode now, but uh, Doug Jones was on the podcast to talk and talked about like because he's been in a bunch of stuff that is, you know, kind of has a supernatural quality and often has like a very dark supernatural quality, you know, like Pan's Labyrinth and Hellboy and that sort of thing. And uh, he's talked about, you know, he gets a lot of you know condemnation. Like, how could you be in this demonic thing? Because of course, unless there's uh, the angels winning, it has to be demonic, and. Uh, and his attitude was like, well, would you rather... It's like the movie is going to be made anyway. Would you rather there not be a Christian influence on it while, while it was being made? Yeah. The, the fact is there's no good answer for it. Yeah. Because you just... You can't win with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not agreeing or disagreeing because I, I haven't seen the movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have turned down most things in my life. Mm-hmm. Most of a vast majority of things that are offered to me or auditions I turn down mm-hmm. I do not go out on that is my decision that's how Tom does it mm-hmm. you know I won't be a part of it uh, if if that hurts my career that's the way it is if you are an actress or an actor coming out here to be in movies guess what you're going to have to use your conscience to decide on what you want to do and what not to do and a lot of you, myself included, the slice of pie for possible working is going to be significantly smaller than everyone else you know. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact is, that's good news. It's good news hmm. because you're here to be an artist that you are here to be with your conscience and your discernment, you know? So, I, so I, don't, I don't know about his movies, but everyone has a decision to make i haven't done a lot of that sort of thing and people do say well did it help you don't know you're on the set and you could hey uh yeah i've just just for me not for anybody else for me i'm not doing it yeah i'm not casting aspersions on anyone else for doing anything you know at the end of whatever you know i'm uh, uh, the, the gospel, uh, it, it, you know, where where one of the disciples is asking Jesus, like, what about him? Mm-hmm. You know, and Jesus, like, don't what, don't pay any attention to him. Yeah, that, like that's not. No, I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. We're talking about what you're doing now. This is up mm-hmm. to you to do. Don't even, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, okay, he's doing his thing. And that that actually goes back to something that Josh and I were talking about in the last episode. That uh, you know, I mean, shame. The movie Shame is NC seventeen. Uh, and even though I didn't particularly care for the film, I didn't care for it on pretty much purely artistic grounds. Same right. with Josh. Yeah. And I don't necessarily have a problem with nudity in film or sexuality in film, you know, provided there's there's a proper attitude about it, um, and it's not purely exploitative. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are plenty of people who would just say like, "Well, you should, you just shouldn't see it ever. Like, you should never see it." Of course. Well, that and was the just, same with Schindler's List. Really? Yeah. With a yeah. woman with a woman without a top That's on. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, going uh, being utterly humiliated by German soldiers as she's, you know, going to her mm-hmm. death. And people, you know, people had a problem with that. A lot of Christian people had a problem with that. And I thought, you know, I I thought unfortunately that these Christian people were over-sexualized. Mm-hmm. They would not they would not allow themselves to enter in to a piece of art where the artist is trying to have you enter into that kind of humiliation yeah in order to in order to go there that piece yes it might not be for children yeah it's not supposed to be for children yeah. it's supposed to be for adults yeah not everything has to be family friendly like there there is stuff that's family friendly and that's wonderful but then there's stuff that's like yeah you're it's it gets back to the the idea of discernment like you use discernment when picking projects and the audience can use discernment when deciding what they're going to watch but there's a responsibility on both ends yeah and but they act as though like well i've discerned what what's good for me and obviously what's good for me is a 
good for everyone else, right? And it's just that that idea. It's like, well, no, adulthood is a bit more nuanced than that, I think. Adulthood is a lot more nuanced (laughs) than that. I tend to hedge my bets. Um, (laughs) But, uh, and so uh, we're kind of looking to wrap up, but I did want to, I did want to, I'm sorry. I've been even sung. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, Josh, go get your guitar. It's it's right over there. You pick the tune. And so... um, I did want to talk about some of uh, your projects that I happen to enjoy a great deal. Uh, one is a horror film that has been unfairly forgotten and often criticized by horror fans, but I love it, called April Fool's Day. Stupid horror fans do criticize April Fool's Day, but they're stupid. So we don't pay attention to what they say. I'm noticing a theme here. Don't, you know... <laughs> Um, uh, I don't, I haven't heard a lot of criticism for April Fool's Day. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, when the horror genre was huge, Mm -hmm. they made a horror movie that was a prank toward the audience where no one was actually killed. Yeah. Nothing bad actually happened at the end. It was just a girl playing a trick on all of her friends on April Fool's Day. And I, some of the criticism that I had heard is people being like, well, it just takes away all the stakes. It's like, well, you know, there's no real stakes anyway, right? Like, it's fake. It's yeah. a movie. <laughs> it it, it like, is a movie. Know. The actors aren't actually dying. They go on and yeah. do the, the next project. My head, I was not decapitated in that movie. Exactly. No, I was um, not. It was a whole fake thing. Was it? Was that a? I, I people say that like horror sets are always like either grueling or incredibly fun to work on. Was that? That seemed like it'd be fun. It was. We had a lot of fun doing that set. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, for people who haven't seen it, it's a far cry from the horror genre movies that are going on now, right? Which are, you know, yeah, which pretty, pretty ridiculous. But, uh, but uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Just a bunch of young people up in Vancouver, up in Victoria, actually, British Columbia, at a big house up there, and just, uh, just having a good time. It's a well-made film, like it, and it's just, and it's, it's what I tend to like in a horror movie, which is it has a pretty good sense of humor about itself. It but had a good it sense takes, of humor. Yeah. It had a good script. It was re- uh, directed by Fred Walton, who I just saw up in Portland. I was up there. Fred is a great director. He mm-hmm. directed When a Stranger Calls. Oh, yeah. Fred directed really the first, not the first horror movie, but he was the director of the movie with the phone calls coming in the house and yeah. the girl and the the police are scanning the calls and the call comes to the girl, get out. The calls are coming from inside the house. Wee, wee, you know that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was that. So Fred, Fred was great. It was, um, you know, I think for what it was, it was yeah. a good movie. Um, and then... Uh, so I'll mention a couple other things. One is you you did uh, the voice of Tony Zuko on one of my favorite shows of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Yep, Batman, yeah. Uh, the rather pivotal role of Tony Zuko, the yes. man responsible for uh, the death uh, deaths of uh, Robin's parents. I killed Robin's parents. parents. So. Robin's dad and mom, dead because of me. I actually, um, I have actually f- had fist fights in animation. Oh, yeah. With Batman, <laughs> Superman, Spider-Man, Duckman, and SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I didn't know so, you had a duck, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So all of those in animation. I have only fist fought with su- uh, live action Superman once. That's right. You were on, uh, Lo- was it Lois and Yes, Clark? with Dean yeah. Cain. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was just down on Hollywood Boulevard. There was <laughs> and he showed up. I was time. robbing a bank. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrapped me really quickly in duct tape. <laughs> Even with all his powers, he still wanted the fist fight. Yeah. yeah. You'd think he'd uh, move He's beyond just, that. He was just showing off. Uh-huh. Right? Superman. <laughs> um, he likes to give himself a challenge. But, uh, yeah, and I did, and I, because I uh, I own all, all of uh, Batman the Animated Series, last night I, I watched those two episodes, and I, uh, and I enjoyed them immensely. And it made me, because you mentioned fist fights. One of the things that I find fascinating that, like, voice actors do is... Of course, they do voices, and that in itself is difficult because you're not in the moment. But they have to make noises. They have to make fight noises. Right. I have to. If it were me, and of course, you're an actual actor, and I have acted in the past in high school. There's a difference. And uh, so you... Not the way you did it, baby. No difference between your high school acting and... I did win Best Actor State of Missouri year 2000. There you go. Uh, As listeners know, because I say it all the time. But... uh, so I would be self-conscious, but the idea of just making fight noises, do, like, do you feel 
silly at all when you're no, doing you're it? No, you're actually just, you're not actually fist fighting an actor. Right. But you should see the sessions that go on because everyone is moving and uh, gesturing so wildly that in a, in a session like that, I mean, people are breaking a sweat. <laughs> you know, bring a handkerchief because you are going to wipe your brow because you are going. <clears throat> You know, that kind of stuff. And people, everyone's moving around. Yeah. That's cool. Um, And then uh, one of my favorite movies of uh, a few years ago now, and it seemed like maybe the most fun set to work on was The Informant. The Informant was a lot of fun. The Informant was, I really enjoyed the movie. Mm -hmm. I I, I like the script a lot. Uh, Matt Damon was in it. A lot of comedians that Steven Soderbergh cast specifically uh, because they were comedians, mm-hmm. and no one really knows why. <laughs> I was going to ask if you knew why. I don't. I, I, I think don't know everyone why. does a good job. I don't know why. They actually called me late in the late in the movie shoot because they um, they were looking for someone to play Matt Damon's dad. Mm-hmm. And I'd been around comedy circles for a long time, so they called me, saying, "Tom, can you recommend anybody? Because we're looking for an actor that could play Matt Damon's dad, <laughs> but was a comedian." And I thought about it a lot, and I said, "Well." Uh, a voiceover actor, Frank Welker, who's done oh, yeah. a lot of things. But Frank did stand-up for many years. Mm-hmm. He hasn't done it for a while, but he's definitely a stand-up. And Frank got the job. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Frank Welker is a, an interesting guy because I, I don't remember if... I don't know if this is true anymore, but I think there was a time when he had more credits on IMDb than any other actor. Oh, I think he should. Yeah. Uh, Frank is just scary. Because he does like animal Good. noises and stuff. Yes, but among other things, among yes. other things, but the fa- it's easy, you know, you can say, well, Frank does animal noises and everyone's thinking, well, I could do a wolf. I could do. I'm telling you, Frank will be in a session and they'll say, listen, Frank, the wolf, it's a wolf and it's been, it's been wounded by an arrow, but the wolf is from the Ukraine and it's, it's, it's left rear paw so if we could kind of get a sense of the paw being left rear and ukraine and they'll go oh okay let me let me try something and and you're going oh my gosh he, you know <laughs> i feel that like is a ukrainian. ukrainian wolf with his left rear paw with an arrow it's uh, he's just an incredible talent at it i had heard a story i think from uh, futurama in which he had to do uh like a, a flock of seagulls, and they said, like, just just do one seagull noise, and uh, we'll just, you know, just layer it on top of each other. And he's like, well, I can do a flock of seagulls. And they're like, well, okay. He goes, how many are there going to be? And he said, like, 12. He goes, all right. And so he goes in and does 12 seagulls somehow. And uh, uh, he's just a scary, talented guy yeah. in the voiceover world. And he's at the pinnacle of the world. I mean, mm-hmm. I was at a session once with Frank where one of the producers of the show came into the room to say, Frank, you're always so busy and it's hard to get you here. Do you know anyone else who does what you do? <laughs> you know, just anyone. Just, uh, no, I don't think so. I just... <laughs> it's corner of the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the what I liked about the informant is because, is is just that... Soderbergh was clearly thinking out out of the box. It's an unusual movie, like, right? Mm-hmm. A Marvin Hamlish score. Marvin Hamlish score. Uh, yeah. It's just Matt Damon having these internal dialogues the entire movie. Man, uh, so it was really, I, I think, hey, if people want to check it out on DVD because it's an interesting movie. Hmm. And it it didn't get a lot of. Uh, I mean, it got some press at the time, and it was one of my favorite movies. But I think some people just. Did not know what to make of it. I, I think, think that's yeah. that's true of a lot of movies now. People yeah. just go in. They need to expect the thing yeah. that they think it is from the commercial. Or else they feel like the movie's betrayed them. In some right. Way. <laughs> so you don't want that feeling. Well, what is this? Well, if you're quiet a little bit and just pay attention to it. Yeah, but this isn't like the other things I've seen where the Sandman fights Spider-Man. <laughs> When is the Sandman going to fight Spider-Man? Yeah, when's the Sandman come to hit Spider-Man and the sand blows everywhere? (laughs) When is Sandman going to show up and fight this Matt Damon guy who's working for this uh, ethanol company? Well, that's one thing I've always liked about Steven Soderbergh, too, is I feel like he has... He seems to have that attitude, which you've been echoing here a little bit, is like... uh, doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of the movie you know like he a lot of his movies seem to be outside of the box to it to a point where he's not really 
concerned so much about whether or not people are going to like it's the movie. a pretty liberating thing you know and yeah. I, I look I, I can credit some of my attitude to back to the future though i was always look i was a comedian and i was an artist and i was a and i was a musician so yes i've always marched to the beat of my own drummer mm-hmm. but once um you know once back to the future becomes huge and then everyone everyone is looking at me through these delorean shaped eyeglasses <laughs> possibly 3d glasses yeah, right that you finally go like well you have to go deep within yourself to just go look i don't care what anybody thinks about what i do or anything i just do whatever i want mm. whatever i find interesting and you can you know if you want to describe it if you want to say Oh, this video, you know, the guy from Back to the Future does. I don't care. That's not what I do, but mm. you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, well, we do have to wrap up, and so I will uh, end this uh, the way I, uh, I try to with uh, uh, successful performers and such, which is uh, if there are any uh, Christian artists, whether they be actors or comedians or writers or anything, uh, is there any advice that you would give them? Uh, based on your experience in Hollywood, is there any piece of advice that you think would really help them out? I, I say, you know, God is the creator. If there's one thing God loves, it's creativity. Mm-hmm. So go out there and create. Make beautiful things, you know, whether it's theater or painting or movies, making videos, making music, making anything. Mm-hmm. Let it come out of your heart. Express yourself as a, you know, as a flawed and yearning human being here, like all of us. But man, what a thing, mm-hmm. you know, to create beautiful things. And, you know, and hey, sometimes show them to people. When people enjoy it, that's wonderful. But the basis of it is to create and make the thing, not to get a reaction where you can become a big shot. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it in order to become a big shot, God may actually be working hard to destroy your plans. <laughs> okay? So, you know, so I, I think a lot of people see television and they you know now they're saying i don't want to be an actor i want to be like matt damon Mm -hmm. i don't want to play music i want to be x y or beyonce or whoever i want to be like that person be like you yeah you know do your thing create your stuff put it out there have fun with the creativity of it and uh, the being a big shot thing is really not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. It seems like it because Entertainment Tonight tells you it's a it's a big deal. It's not a big deal, and it's you know it's it's just a, it it. Um, hey, we could see you know it's ruined plenty of people's lives. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's all evil and bad. I'm saying that you have to you have to take it with wisdom. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, I remember. When I was back in film school in Chicago, I talked to somebody and we were just having a discussion about why, why, uh, why are you wanting to get into film? And, and uh, I said, well, you know, I just really enjoy writing and I like the idea of like examining the way people uh, relate to each other through dialogue, like what they say and what, as opposed to what they mean, all that. So like I say this really, you know, pretentious answer. Uh, and then I say like, what about you? He's like, I just really want to make money. And I was like, <laughs> seriously? Like I, I literally thought he was joking. Because that's silly to me. And he's like, I just really want to make money, you know? I mean, there's a, like, you can get really rich, you right. know, like a Jerry Bruckheimer <laughs> right. or something. And I was just like, not only is that incredibly disheartening artistically, there's got to be so many better ways to make money. Like, there's <laughs> there no are, guarantee. It, it could work out. I mean, plenty of people come here and are phony to everyone and put up a false mask of themselves mm-hmm. and step on everyone's neck and steal ideas and, and duct tape something together and rip everybody off on the first movie they made mm-hmm. and actually uh, become rich. Congratulations, empty shell. (laughs) You know, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Well, it happens every day around here. So congratulations on all the money. (laughs) 
<laughs> Way to go. Wow, terrific. You have a nicer car than you used to have. Same jerk driving it, but nicer. <laughs> I'm happy with my Suzuki Forenza. Uh, nice. That's a, that's a pretty sweet ride. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about your podcast. Uh, it's... A few months old at this point. It's a few months old. It's pretty new. It's called Big Pop Fun mm-hmm. on the Nerdist Network, nerdist.com slash Big Pop Fun. And I'm just talking to people and I'm soloing. I'm doing some freestyle solo podcasts and yeah. I'm, uh, I'm talking to people. I'm freely admit, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going out there and doing a thing. Fortunately, a lot of people have liked it so far. Got a lot of people, a lot of good, good comments, good feedback. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Does so, that uh, does that come out on a, like a regular Fridays. basis? Every mm-hmm. Friday. Every Friday, new All Big right. Pop Fun. And uh, what is uh, what is the upcoming episode? Uh, the upcoming episode is a continuation of my conversation with my good friend Blake Clark, who is a veteran of the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and a veteran of the uh, stand-up comedy wars, mm-hmm. which uh, which he found almost more soul-crushing than the Vietnam thing. Interesting. Wow. And so, I I know he's also a, a an actor who's been on of wide number of yeah, things. Blake has a very long IMDb and almost all of Adam Sandler's movies yeah. and he's done many 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 everyone would recognize Blake to see him. He was on a recent episode of Community and I thought he mm-hmm. was wonderful. Yeah, Blake is great. So I have Blake coming up. I have a three-part uh, interview with Mark Hamill. Maybe wow. you've heard of him. Cool. Uh, so that's coming up pretty soon. So I'm talking to every kind. I'm talking to stuntmen, yeah. still photographers, musicians, all kinds of different people. All right. Well, that sounds very exciting. Every Friday, Big Pop Fun. Yeah. And uh, your website is? My website is TomWilsonUSA.com. All right. Patriotic. Patriotic. <laughs> and um, I'll have a book out soon, an e-book and an audio book of my book uh, called The One Ranger. The One Ranger. Which is not out right now, but if people listen to this uh, within the next few weeks, it'll be out there, a book called The One Ranger. And what's that about? That is about um, my stories of my life and early in my Hollywood stories and a contemporary story where I actually meet Clayton Moore, the actor who played the Lone Ranger, who's been dead mm. for 10 years, and we go on an adventure. Oh. Wait. Did you... When did you meet him? Or you didn't meet him? I meet him 10 years after he I see. passed away. Okay. And we go, around, uh, we go around Hollywood and around the country having sort of a buddy comedy. Well, that sounds wonderful. As I tell him stories of my past. The One Ranger. The One Ranger. All right. Well, Tom, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah, for having appreciate me. appreciate it. Uh, you Send can- those emails to Tyler. <laughs> Tyler at morethanonelesson.com. Or if you want to throw them to Josh, that's fine with me. Josh yeah, at morethanonelesson.com. I won't read them. He'll just forward them back to me. Uh, but yeah, you can go to morethanonelesson.com. There are various uh, various uh, blog posts and uh, sermon recommendations. And I did want to say, former guest Will Gray, his uh, documentary Broke will be premiering uh, March 1st in Santa Monica. I don't have the theater in front of me, but there is a post on morethanonelesson.com. You can find out more about that. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please feel free to leave a comment in iTunes. If you don't enjoy the show... Uh, that's fine. Uh, you if you don't enjoy anything. the show, why are you still here, man? <laughs> that's a good question. What are you just? I'm keeping my earbuds in because they're warm. <laughs> they're warming my ear canals, and I can't figure out how to turn off my iPod. Why am I living in this wind tunnel? <laughs> um, all right. Well, again, Tom, thanks for being here. I thanks, appreciate guys. it. Mm-hmm. Josh, thanks as always. Well, you're welcome. All right, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye.